you know, you know, like uh, they asked me the other day when I was at the doctor, they said, have you had the flu shot? And I said, well, no. And then she said, have you ever had one? And I said, well, no. And she goes, well, why not? I said, because I heard it makes people sick. And she looked at me and she said, what? I said, I said, have you ever gotten, I said, did you have it? And she goes, well, yeah. She goes, I get one every year. And I said, did you ever get sick from it? She said, well, one time. I said, see. And she, so she looked at me like, well, and uh, she said, did you, have you gotten the pneumonia shot? And I said, no. She said, why? I said, I heard that makes you sick too. And she said, oh, you just go on. Get out of here. But oftentimes I feel like that church becomes what we think or in our minds. We may not say it, but somehow or another, I believe that it's almost like it's almost to prepare you for what might come, what might happen. Are you, are you get that? What might, what might entail, what might come the next week. But what we're offering is like some of these shots that you get them and you get sick anyway. Because a lot of the things that we offer have not been offered out of the true gospel. They have been offered out of the, out of the mindset of what somebody thinks. Hello, somebody. So kind of journey with me today. Let, let's get back in one of those rafts and float down the river of life here where Jesus actually encountered people that, and I'm going to tell you something. I got a lot of response from the message last week. I had a lot of people come to me like, wow. And I'm like, well, the Lord knows what he's doing. But let's get back in that boat and float down this river and see the face of God again as he's revealing himself and the character. How many knows that in John, we're in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word is with God, the word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. Now, I know how that has been um, packaged in years past because I've been around that uh, uh, ministry, that type of ministry where it's been packaged to, to lean towards a certain doctrine. And, and it's okay because they were, it's not wrong. It's just that they got stuck there. And as I, as I asked the Lord to give me um, a more insight in that, Sister Rose, what happened is when I realized that when G John was describing Jesus in that chapter there, he was describing the face of God through God, the face of God through Jesus Christ and revealing himself to every one of us. Because I, I, one of the guys asked Jesus, said, show us the Father. And I'm not going to get on to all this today, but I'm just giving you a precursor. Show us the Father. And Jesus' response was, have I been with you so long that you don't know who I am yet? So he was actually revealing himself. So John, what John was doing through the Spirit of God was revealing the very character and nature of God through Jesus Christ. You can't get any deeper in Jesus or in God than Jesus. I'm going to say that again. You can't get any deeper in God than you can any other way except through Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus said like this, I'm the door. If you want to learn about God, you got to come through me. 
He said, and matter of fact, he said, uh, what are, what, 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 some of the, throw me some of the other things. I'm the door to the sheepfold. He said, um, uh, oh, huh? Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, John 10. John 10 says, uh, if you come up any other way, you're the the same as a thief and a robber because you're trying to get to God through some other venue. There is no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. That ought to have been a, a moment of applause right there. There is no other way to get to God except through Jesus Christ. And there is no other, other higher teaching than the teaching of Jesus Christ or the teaching of God through Jesus Christ. He came in Jesus Christ to reveal the fullness of the Godhead. Brother Rob, do you remember what we read last week? What that verse was you read last Sunday? You remember what that was? Colossians. Could you get that ready again? And I'm just gonna, we're just gonna just be, do a precursor here kind of like a, a, re, a, re, a review, just for momentarily. Uh, this is so good. So look at somebody and say, if you're looking to find God, look to Jesus. If you're looking to find the attitude of God, look to Jesus. If you're looking that how God wants to treat people today, look to Jesus. If you're looking how God wants us to treat one another, look to Jesus. You got it, Rob? He almost, he's almost there. That the fullness of God dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. Look at somebody say, everything about God is revealed through Jesus. So if you want to know more about God, study the life of Jesus. If you want to know more about what God wants you to do, live and be like, and behave like, look in the life of Jesus. You don't have to look any further. You don't have to try to find this philosopher or that guy or that guy, and I've read tons of them, but you don't have to go out there and try to find all of them. Just start studying the life of Jesus, and you'll find God expressing himself through Jesus Christ. There is no other greater expression of the faith of God. There is, And when I say faith of God, what I'm saying is, is God, faith through Christ about you. Look at somebody and say, there is something God sees in me that nobody else might see. Matter of fact, a lot of people are, uh, you ever go into somebody's house and it just has this smell? Rosie's the only one. I've, you go into people's house and you smell like maybe a sour onion or something or bad something. You're just like, whoo. And, they, and, they, and they've been in there so long they don't smell it. They're nose blind. Rob said, or a cat or a dog. Or just nasty people. <laughs> well, you were thinking and I just said it. But, you, you know, you can go... <laughs> You go I better get off of that. Read that scripture off. <laughs> We're made and it continues on. Stand up and read that. Come come up here. Come up here. I don't know. What part you want to start at? He is before all things. Or yeah. Can we read before that? Or? Yeah, and all knowledge and everything is in him. 
Does that go to that? Um, it may have been before that. Okay. There, he's going to look it up. Finally. Yeah. And the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him. 115, Rob. Okay. All right. Start reading it. Yeah, that's where I was. Uh, who is the image of the invisible God? Well, I'm going to stop him right here. Who is the image of the invisible God? Jesus. Look at somebody say, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the God they didn't see. Uh, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the first who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might be might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell wait read that again for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell it pleased the father spirit that in him jesus all the fullness of the Godhead should dwell in him. Amen. Are y'all following it? All right, go ahead. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him. Wait a minute. Because we preach that God abandoned Jesus on the cross. That God left him hanging there by himself. Can I submit to you, in my opinion, God didn't abandon Jesus. He was with him all the way. Because he was in him, God was in Christ, redeeming everything back to himself. He said, I'm alone, but no, I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. <laughs> so look at somebody and say, God was in Christ. Redeeming all of us back to himself. Man, that's powerful right there. That's, that's not religious or doctrine. That's straight word. That's straight up word right there. Uh, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in, in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated, and enemies uh, in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Glory. Isn't that good? It is good. You, you know what that's saying? That once you get in Jesus, there is no accusation the devil can muster up against you. There is therefore now no condemnation. My God, do you know what he did? Do you realize the magnitude? He didn't just make it easy for you to come to church. 
I know you're thinking, like, well, why am I still going through this stuff? That's you. That's, that's you if you're giving into it. But you got to say, no. Now, how many knows you got to bring your members under subjection to the Spirit of God? You, you can't just let yourself, because he did this, you can't just let yourself go out and do anything and everything because God's got you covered. Because what happens is, is when you do that, God don't have to send trouble on your way because when you act like that, you are going to let down the hedge. That wall of protection around your life, you will tear it down, not God. Amen. Mm -hmm. yes, ma yes, sir. I started to say ma'am. <laughs> You're used to talking to Henrietta. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lord. The joy of the Lord. <laughs> if you can... <laughs> If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and in which we preach to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and feel up that which is behind the, of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom, would, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of, of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. In you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery. That's the whole mystery that's been hidden from ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Christ is in me. He's not just off somewhere out there. He's in you. He's in you. The victory is in you. The victor is in you. The overcomer and the conqueror is in you. He lives through you. He's vibrant in your life right now. Thanks, Rob. So, so listen, listen. So, what, what, what are we getting at in John six? Here's what I want to get you. I want to get you here. Let me, let me see what time it is. I got time. So, here, here's the, here's the idea. Here's the idea. God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery that's been revealed, that can change your life dramatically. How many knows that you've been born again? Because your life has been changed. Your thinking has been changed. And you, you see yourself maturing day after day, week after week, year after year. And if, and if it, there's no maturing in there, there's, there's something that's holding you up somewhere. Come on. But there, there's a maturing that goes on in your life. And there's a maturing that happens in Christ. I don't want to just, listen, oftentimes we are guilty of, and I'm going to say this, and I don't mean to, I'm not throwing this at anybody, but, but I, it just kind of an overwhelming thought that I had this week, that we're preaching messages to the church that ought to be out there in the streets. The church needs the messages to grow in the kingdom of God. 
The other side of that is, is there are messages that we need to go and preach to those that don't know the gospel, to change their wicked ways, to come out of that darkness. Hello. And the church predominantly has had that message preached to them. That's, because, that's why they're here every week. They're saved. They're saved. I thought they were. They're saved. They're saved. They're born again. Their thinking is not to get a boat and go fishing on Sunday morning. Maybe they're thinking that, but they're saying, nope, you gotta go. I'm going to church to worship Jesus. Thank him for what he's done for me. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go on and I'm going to worship him. I'm going I'm to get stronger through the word of God that's preached. I'm going to go and give him praise and honor and glory. I'm going to be thankful. I could go to the lake. I could go somewhere else. I could go horseback riding. I could go far away and I could go whatever. I could clean the house. I could mend the yard. I could do whatever. But that's not what I'm going to do because that's what I did before I got saved. Now that I'm saved and my thinking has changed, I'm going to go and I'm going to give some praise to God and I'm going to get, I'm going to get pieces of the roadmap that are going to help me climb higher as I gather strength through the word of God. And all that happens because you, the majority of you are here because you have been transformed. You have been transformed. Oh, you're not to that pinnacle yet in yourself. You still have this weakness and that thing and that thing, but God hasn't disqualified you because of that. I'm going to say something real hard. Hard for most church people, Pentecostals to receive. We will accept the fact that one man can bring everybody into sin. But we're hard pressed to believe what the Bible says that one man can make all of us righteous. And his name is Jesus. And he paid the penalty for every one of you. He nailed it to the tree. He didn't die for you. He died as you. That changes everything. He didn't just die for me. He died as me. That was me on that cross. He exchanged, he exchanged when I came clean and said, God, I'm not right, I'm not clean. No matter what I do, I can't get there, I can't achieve that. But when I come to you, everything changes. My mind gets transformed, my thinking starts changing and I start thinking about how to be thankful to you because I realize that everything I have is because of you. And when you live your life like that and you don't live your life in an in a area where you're just constantly re being reminded about how bad you were and how much you need to overcome, you're just living in a thankfulness that God has delivered you and healed you. You're in the process of being healed. If I'm not completely delivered, I'm in the process of being delivered. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. You know why? Because I'm fully confident that he loves me so much that he came down. God in Jesus took himself to the cross hung there and took my place as me on that cross. Somebody needs to give God some praise in this house. Now everything I'm telling you, you can back it up in the word of God. So look at somebody and say, I'm not gonna walk around defeated anymore. But there are challenges. There are challenges. Look at somebody and say, there are challenges. 
So, and, and he's waiting for our response. I, I think, listen, it's my personal opinion. I don't, uh, nobody's told me this, and it's, but it's my personal opinion. You don't have to keep this. You can throw it out if you want to. But I personally believe one of the greatest, one of the greatest measures of an unbeliever is a person that doesn't believe in his totality of what he has done when he died in my place. I'm a firm believer in that. And I rest in that. I have peace through that. Listen, somebody says, Brother Dave, when you preach like that, I've had preachers say this to me, when you preach stuff like that, you give people a license to sin. Boy Smith, you don't have to give Lisa a license to sin. She was doing a pretty good job without it. I wasn't going to go that far, but there it is. You said it better than I did. People do a good job sinning without a license. But he has given you the power to overcome and conquer. We're, we're, listen, and I'm not, I'm not one of these guys. And, and listen, this terminology, greasy grace, there's no such thing. There is, it's, the Bible calls it great grace, amazing grace. Amen. How sweet the sound. And we, we're afraid to say that. We're afraid to say anything about grace because we're afraid, well, you'll give people license to sin. They don't need a license. They do pretty good at it. I mean, they're professionals at it. They really are. But the whole idea of what I'm trying to say is, is and we're not throwing the, the, the baby out with the bathwater. We're not saying just go live in the lake. We know right. that. We know that. Right. We know what it talks about in Corinthians there. Mm-hmm. Chapter 5, chapter 6. We know what it says. When it talks about you can't do these things because these people do these things, live in this way, have that kind of mindset, they can inherit the kingdom of God. We know that. But so what are we doing? We know that mo- the majority of you that are here today didn't come just get a shot in the arm. You come because you're in love with God and your thinking has changed. Amen. And that's a real good sign that you have, you have grabbed onto something. You've, re- you've really grabbed a hold of something and you're saying, man, I'm saved. My thinking's changed. Amen. Look at somebody say, my, th- my stinking thinking has changed. But, but there was a challenge set before us, and the Lord, watch this, and here's where we're going. I didn't mean to get on all the stuff and get stuck there. But the Lord challenges us in, in our, almost in a, a daily routine, oftentimes multiple times a day, to see where we are in our, in our confidence and faith in him. John chapter 6, let's go there real quick. John chapter 6, and I didn't mean to take that long to get here, but we'll, um, we'll, 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 we'll get you out of here quick. It's not my goal, but we'll do it. And it says, and after this, verse 1, after this, Jesus went to the other side of the lake of Tiberias, which is also known as Lake Galilee. And a massive crowd, everybody say massive crowd. A massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. And they were attracted to by his miracles and the healings they watched him perform. Jesus went up the slope, the side of the hill, and sat down with his disciples. Now, it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover, and there were many pilgrims or journey people, people on journeys going to and fro to Jerusalem, on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. 
And Jesus sat down, and, and I want you to look at somebody. Everybody say, sat down. There is something there is something to be learned about when it's the Bible declares he sat down or took a seat. There's something to be learned about that. The word in Matthew chapter 5, it says, and when he was set, the word, the Greek word there is kathosanthos, and it means to position yourself in a seat of authority. To position yourself in a seat of authority. And here's the other side of it. It not only says it positions himself in a seat of authority, but it says it takes up a position of maturity. A position of maturity. Do you ever find people that they're never set? They're never settled? They're bouncing here and there, this, that, and the other? jump from this one to that one, go here, go there, go here, go there. They're never set. That's because they have not been led by the Spirit of God or the, or the presence of God in their life to finally uh, become mature so that you're not messing around all the time. Amen. You come into a position of authority in your life and you also come into a position of maturity. You're not, Johnny come lately. You're not here today and gone tomorrow, somewhere else, over there, this, that, and the other. You're, you learn how to be consistent in your walk with God. You learn how to be, look at somebody say, consistent in the walk of God. You remember where Paul was talking to Timothy and, and he said to Timothy, he said, um, what, what was the phrase? Uh, oh, it was on my mind that just slipped that quick. Uh, he said, um, be instant in season and out of season. That word instant there is not like instant uh, grits. It's not like instant oats or instant cereal or instant this, that, or the other. You throw on a microwave, wham, shazam, there it is. That word instant there is the word consistent. It's what it means in the Greek, be consistent. So Paul is telling Timothy, be consistent in your walk. Don't be up today and down tomorrow. Don't be changing your flip-flopping on your opinions like a politician. I had to throw that in there. Don't, don't be this, that, or the other. Just, from, just, just keep being consistent and growing and maturing because that's when you grow and mature, that's when you begin to give the evidence of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery of ages because now you're not wishy-washy. You're not up today and down tomorrow. You're not in this week and out next week. Don't you ever get tired of watching people? If you're like me, I told Fast, I said, man, I said... It's, if I probably, and I'm, no wonder God keeps me from doing certain things that I'd like to do, because if I'd done it, I probably wouldn't do this, because I get tired of the melodrama in the church. Save one week and back to the next. Come next week and get saved again. Come on. Quit dragging everybody through that. Just become consistent in your walk. Sometimes you've got to say no to your flesh. Oh, smoke a joint. No. Put on a good, put on a good drunk. No. I don't like getting drunk, never have. I don't like losing control of myself like that. I don't trust myself. People can start leaving here in a minute, Rose. I smell something burning. Quiet, Chris. You stinker. <laughs> you heard her, Dallas. 
Lord, these people mess me up. <laughs> the idea of it is, is, is I have to tell, listen, preachers have to tell their flesh just as much as you do. They have to talk to themselves. They have to tell their flesh no. Just as much as you do. Maybe not as much. Maybe more. Maybe more. Hello. You have to say no. I mean, I'm not going to get into it. But there's times I had to, like, put your hands in your pocket before you slap that person. Am I being honest or not? You ever just feel like they just need a good slap to wake them up? That would do them good. But the idea of it is, is we can't act like that. We're not, we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to act like that. And it's hard sometimes. I remember one time I had a, this has been back years ago, and I was on my way to church, and I had I, I, I had done something, and they put me on steroids. And I don't take drugs. I don't. I really don't. I'm like, I, I, I admire Shirley. Shirley breaks a leg and won't even take painkillers. I'm like, what kind of woman is that? Wonder Woman. Who? Like, good Lord, I told her, I told her, I said, she's got to be half Indian or something. But the idea of it is, is we, you know, we don't, and so I, you know, they said, you got to take it. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. And you know what happens when you take steroids? You know, you get like, you get Roy vision. Some of you weightlifters know what I'm talking about. You get that, you know, that raging bull thing. And I was on my way to church, and the kids were all little, and, and this guy cuts me off, and I had to go over in a ditch. My mother was in the car. That tells you how long ago that was. My mother's in the car. My three kids, the little kids, in the car. Phil's in there, and they're all screaming, ah! And we went over, and, and I thought, uh, and I was on my way to church, and I thought, and I was going to preach. I had a suit on. I look like a preacher. And I was on my way to church. It was in Somerset. And I thought, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to respond. And the whole time I'm saying that, it's going, and I'm not going to respond. I got to the red light, and Phil said, oh, I'm so proud of you. I said, i got to respond. I turned the car around, and he went off into a gas station. I pulled up like Starsky and Hush. Get her back in here. She needs to be at this altar this morning. But when she comes in, you escort to her front down so she don't stagger around. You can tell her. But anyway, so I hear I got over there and I said, Did you see what you did to me? And see, what made me mad is he not only just run me off the road, he gave me the bird while he was, and I don't mean he let Tweety Bird loose. as he's going around me like, you know, smart dog, and I just like, and I guess it was him roids that kicked in, and I got over, I said, did you see what you did? And he goes like, he goes, he goes, I didn't do nothing. He goes, besides, what you gonna do about it? Looking down at him. And I looked up and I went, boom, I snuck the cowboy hat off and I said, draw, partner. now, 
but I felt terrible after I did it, you know, and I'm like, and my mom and Phyllis is in the car going, Dave, Dave, I'm like, leave me alone, you know, you know, I felt like I was bigger than Chris Puckett back here that day, but then, you know, but, and he goes, he said, you don't know who you're messing with, I said, I don't care who I, I said, you'll find out in a minute, and I, like, he's just like, and everybody, somebody knows him, they're going, hey, you know, I don't know, it's Billy Bob or something. And he's like, you all right over here? And he goes, yeah, I'm getting back in my car. <laughs> so I just, after that, I calmed down, and uh, I finally got back, and I got back in the car. I had to repent all the way to church. And when I got here, I didn't even want to preach. Because the devil was just riding me. You blew it. You, God doesn't love you no more. God's against you. Look what kind of light you were. You weren't a light. You were a burning bush at that moment. You know, that kind of stuff. And I beat myself up for a week over that. I mean, a real child of God, they can lose it every now and then, but they'll, they'll con if you're not careful, you'll condemn yourself. Yeah. And the, the devil will jump on it with you. Yeah. Look at somebody and say, don't let it get you that far. Don't let it you that far. So, so things happen. So things happen. Look at somebody and say, things happen. i got to hurry. So John, so here it is. Jesus is here, the multitude's following him, and he says here that, that when they were set, when they got matured, and I, I'm praying that I've matured more than that since then. I'm praying. I didn't say I got there, I said I'm praying. I don't know, but don't push it. I'm 65 now. And I probably can't, but I sure would give it a try. I mean, <laughs> Lord, forgive me for even saying that. The idea of it is, is we see, we shouldn't even think like that. We should be thinking more in terms of, I ain't going there. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. Hello, somebody. So the idea of it is, is I'm trying, I'm praying, God continue to help me grow over that and mature over that kind of stuff. So the Lord's always, there's always things, and it may not be the Lord all the time, but there are things that will present themselves to your life and, and to, to find out your action and reaction because to every action there's a reaction. And it's easy to act like a Christian, but it's more hard to react like a Christian. Let me say that again. It's easy to act like a Christian but it's much harder to react like a Christian. How's a Christian supposed to react? Forgiving, letting go, not holding grudges, being a light, not, not reacting. That's a great one. Come on. How many knows that's hard? You ever meet somebody that's like, they're, they're real spiritual? They're real spiritual, <clears throat> but then they want to go and they want to go and dig in your past. But they're spiritual. People that act spiritual and then talk about other people, they're not spiritual. They they haven't even grown up yet. Pat me on the back and tell me go ahead and preach. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, ooh, I felt that. Listen, you understand 
that the Lord, now watch this. I got to get to this. I can't, I can't keep following those rabbit, tra rabbit trails. So here they are. He, and he, and he, and he led them. Oh, I'm in the wrong place. That fan bloated over. So, so they're up there and Jesus sat down and look at somebody say he sat down. And that word sat is, is related to that word sit or set. It's Cata Santos coming, coming to a place of authority and maturity. How many knows we all need to come to a place of authority and maturity in our walk with God? So you understand the Mary and Martha syndrome, don't you? Martha and Mary. How many knows one was sitting at his feet and the other one was busy doing stuff? The other one, that, the one that was set at Jesus' feet, she was content to learn from him. The other said, I've got to be doing stuff. Can I tell you that maturity says it's more important for me to learn from him than to just be filling my time with stuff that can be done later. Always being busy doesn't mean you're in God's will. Come on. Come on. I'm waiting on y'all. Always doing something doesn't mean that it's what God wants you to do at that moment. Is this, is this making sense? Yes, so you understand. So, so don't allow that Martha Mary syndrome get a hold of you because you'll find yourself, like when the presence of God comes in, you, you won't even indulge him. You'll be complaining. How come they're not carrying bottles of water to the front? How come they're not doing? How come they're not? How come they're not? How come stop that and sit down and embrace his presence? Because when you embrace his presence, when you sit down, it really teaches you about allowing him to complete your life, to become everything for you, to become everything you need. And as you sit there and learn from him, you become mature. Now, I can preach in here today, and I know what a lot of people like, and I can do it. I know the anointing on my life. I know it. And I can walk over the top of these chairs and run around this building and never teach you nothing. I want you to learn something because I want you to grow because I want you to go to heaven and I want you to take somebody with you. So here's the idea. When, when Jesus was talking up, when the scripture says about being set or being or sit or seated or sitting, it talks about maturity it talks about authority, and you can't have authority until you have maturity. Little Eli got my car this morning. Of course, I got another car. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and um, he, when he got in, I buckled him in in his little seat, and he hadn't said a word. He was just looking around, and he, he looked up at me, and he said, Poppy, I said, what, buddy? He said, your car is cool. I said, oh, thanks, buddy. You're amazed that stuff comes out of that little fella's mouth. And he, and I, but you know what? But I still don't want him to drive, even though he bragged on it. You know why? Because he's not mature enough yet. You can't let people that are living in immaturity take the wheel. Uh, 
Boy, it's quiet in here. So let me go on. Let me go on. So Jesus sat down. He was showing them something. He looked out and saw the massive crowd of the people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? And now Jesus had already knew what he was about to do. Did you catch that? He gave Peter the question, but he already knew what he was going to do. I said Peter, but it was Philip. You understand what he was saying was he was wanting to hear his response. There are things that happen in your life that require faith. Is this making sense to anybody? To To trust him. And so watch what happens. So he turned to Philip and he said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Let's see which direction your answer comes from. I got that morning that that happened with me with that guy with the cowboy hat on. My faith didn't get, it got stretched, but it got diminished too because I was disappointed in myself. Not in God, in me. The, 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 the circumstance arose, but my reaction wasn't very Christ-like. Somebody say, there's been times in my life I wasn't very Christ-like. Amen. Hello. So watch what happens. And Philip answered and said, well, I suppose if we were to give everyone only a snack... It would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. But just then, Andrew, Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Look, here's a young person. Doesn't say whether boy or girl. Says with five barley loaves and two small fish. Now these loaves weren't like loaves you buy at the store. They were more in the size of those little breadsticks you get at Fazoli's. And two little fish. There's 5,000 people sitting in front of them. And I'm sure Philip was going like, this is the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. What's he so stupid about? He knows five little loaves and these two little sardines aren't going to feed 5,000 people. We can't do that with this. Let me tell you something. Little is much when God gets in it. How many's ever... How many's ever expected? How many's, can I, I'll just tell you this. Here's, here's how I wound up with the car. And it's not a new car. It's 2020. But I got a great deal on it. They were asking 26 for it because it had 30,000 miles on it. And I'm like, ooh, that's a nice car. Pretty. Pretty car. Low miles. It was a rental. It's got a few scratches here and there. But I mean, it's, it's nice. And it's got a, listen to this. It's got a lifetime warranty on the transmission and the motor. Getting sweeter as the dollars go by. And here and here's the other thing. So I said, I'm like, and I've been looking at it, I've been watching it, nobody touched it, nobody and I said, Lord, so I finally said, Lord, if you want me to get this car, if this is the one you want me to get, it's this a lot of money and I can't I'm not going that far. I said, but if you want me to get this car, have them lower the price on it. So I went to bed. I didn't think no more about it. I get up next morning. They lowered it, lowered it, lowered it, low enough so I couldn't say no. 
I walked in the room. I said, Phyllis. She goes, what? I said, they lowered the price of this car. She knew I prayed about that. And I listen, at that moment, I felt like I'd be walking in disobedience if I didn't go check on it. Because I'd already last said to the Lord, you know how you please God if you want me to have it? Lord, if you want me to, <laughs> if Kelsey's a girl for me, let her smile at me, Lord John. <laughs> when I walked in, <laughs> when John wanted to introduce me to the other girl, can I tell you? I walk in there at Noble's bookstore, Barnes & Noble, and the other girl's sitting there, and she's like, hi, how are you? And went right back to the book, and Kelsey's like, hi. And it looked like, you know, that toothpaste commercial, the gleam on, like, and she didn't quit. I'm like, oh, Lord, what am I feeling? I walk away, I said, that other girl's not the one. I told John, I said, John, I called him, I said, John. What? I said, that other one ain't the one for you. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, it's the other one. <laughs> there was a connection. There was a. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass you. But I didn't know, I didn't know anything about Kelsey, but I, I know now she's a Holy Ghost filled girl. She came out of a Holy Ghost filled family that believes almost like the same way we believe. Hello, somebody. That means something. Well, praise God. Amen. All right. Let, let me get off that. But the idea of it is, is there are things that come and go in our lives. And what time is that? I want, I, want, I, I want to be honest with my word. So here's the idea. Listen what happened. So this guy brings the, the fishes and loaves and, and said, uh, listen. He said, look, here's a young person with five, five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would that go with this huge crowd? What can God do with so little? What can God do with what, what seems like to be insignificant? And listen to what Jesus says. Have everyone sit down. Number one, Jesus was saying they're going to learn. They're going to come into maturity here. Number two is they're going to come into authority here. Number three is, is they're going to learn as I have them sit down, it's not in their efforts. It's in what I can provide for them. Is anybody hearing this? It's not in their effort. It's not in their provision. It's in mine. It's what I'm going to do for them that is going to make the difference in their life. And as they see what happens here today, they're going to make, they're going to make leaps and bounds in their maturity. When you realize that God is the one that's a provider in your life and he secures you and sustains you on a daily basis, you come into a position of resting in God. You come into a position of not worrying about how the house is going to be paid for, how the car is going to get paid for, what's this going to happen, what's that. You might think about it, but you're going to know that no matter what happens, God is in control, that God gets the final say. Come on, somebody. You're not just a nobody. You are somebody in the kingdom of God. You rely fully upon him. He wants you to understand that it may look like little right now, but little is much when God gets in it. Look at somebody say, God will provide all you need when you need it at the right time, at the right place. You know why? Because he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. You cannot do him. You can't undo him. He knows how to bring you out. Come on. 
And the greatest thing about that is, is you learn, you learn how as you sit and you sit and become confident in that what God is doing in your life. How many is confident in what God's doing in your life? I want you to be a nine, I don't want you to be 98%. I don't want you to be 99%. I want you to be a million percent confident in what Christ has done for you in your life. And the devil can't take that from you. I don't care how many five-gallon hats you knock off people's heads. I don't care what happens in your life. You've got to be confident, no matter where you are, what you're going through, that he is providing for you. That he has made a way for you. That he is secure. Oh, Lord. Come on. Look at somebody and say, God is on my side. I don't, listen, I don't know where you're at right now in your life, but I know if God before you, who can be against you? I, I don't know what side of the mountain you're coming up on. I don't know if you're doing good or doing bad, but I know God's on your side. I know God's for you. Oh, Lord. The devil doesn't want me to say that. Hell doesn't want me to say that. He wants you to walk around condemned and beat down and just barely getting through. He wants you to believe that there's no way you can make it. Praise God. And listen to me. Without Jesus, there ain't no way you can make it. But in him, in him, in him, you have this confidence that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, God has made a way where there seems to be no way. So they went through that. Phyllis, am I preaching all right? Is it okay? Is it making sense? So they went through that. They got up there. And he sat first. He sat first. He was the first fruit. He sat first. He doesn't ask you to do anything that he hasn't done himself. Look at somebody say he was a first fruit. And he was going to be the provider, the provisionaire, the one that made a way where there seemed to be no way, the one that where Philip was doubting. And Philip was a brother, a follower, but he was doubting what, and, oh, what the little boy had was enough. He was doubting that when, listen, if it's little in your eyes, it's still magnificent in the hand of the creator. I was somebody. Somebody needs to. You might be making small incremental steps right now. Brother Dave, listen, I've heard people say this. I'm trying to overcome uh, cussing. Well, keep on going. Don't, don't give up just because you cuss here and there. See, most Pentecostals don't like that. But keep on going. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to do right. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't give up. I, I, listen, you got a drinking problem. Okay, well, all right, let's go. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Now listen, the night I got saved, I got delivered from drugs, but I could not quit smoking cigarettes. dope and left me with the rope. I was hanging myself. I was feeling so condemned and convicted and I had to, but I didn't give up. I didn't give up. I was kept on trying 
And finally, finally, I mean, I'd get mad, I'd get mad and throw them cigarettes away and then go dig in a snowbank to get them back out. I'm not kidding you. I was like, golly, that nicotine, I don't know what they're putting in things, but I pray for anybody who smoke cigarettes and they're trying to quit. Now, some people ain't trying to quit, okay? I want to live a little longer. And so I just kept trying. And finally, finally, and finally, we, I got the upper hand on it. Once I did, somebody said, if you ever backslid, what would you do? I said, well, I want to plan backslide, but I know one thing I won't do. He said, what's that? I said, start smoking cigarettes again. <laughs> I don't care. Shoot me, kill me, cut my head off. I ain't smoking no cigarettes. It took me too long to get off of that. Amen, Rob. Ain't that right? <laughs> Y'all know the story about Rob, and I don't need to go through that again with you. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, he's blessed me too much. He's been too good to me to go back to that. Come on. So the, my point is, is don't, don't quit. Don't give up. I gotta follow my attention. Well, he's trying to get over it. Ask God to help you every day. And don't be surprised when things come in your life. God will reveal unto you in the moments of hardship and trial and temptation are the moments that you will also become content and matured in. And you will learn how to contend for the faith. You will learn as you mature in God and go through those things that it will cause you not only to mature, but it brings a level of authority in your life that you can say into this mountain, be thou removed. How many of you know that a lot of people don't realize that as they sit and become confident in him and what he has done in your life and what he has not only done, but what he is doing on a daily basis, though it may seem like a, a two, uh, five loaves and two little fish at a time, but it turns out great dividends. It says that after they fed over 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, Jesus prayed over it and put it in the hands of the disciples and it began to multiply. It fed every person there. Come on, somebody. Every person there got to eat to their full. Mm, man, that's so good. And God doesn't want you walking out of here thinking, well, I didn't get what I came for. No, you, 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 you're getting what, you need, what you're coming for, but you got to be open to what God is putting on the plate this morning. And what will happen is it will help you develop into maturity. And when you get in the mature place, then you can start walking in the position of authority. Hello, somebody. Because you grow. Well, come, come here, Jackson. Come here if you don't mind me using your voice. Is Hudson in here? Where's he at? Come here, Hudson. Hey, Hudson. Is he out there in the hallway acting up, misbehaving? Go get him, Jackson. Go out there with authority. He's not behaving. He's just being. Boy, you're in trouble. 
Your dad wants to talk to you. No, I just kidding. I threaten him all the time. I'm calling your dad. He'll go like, no. Come here. Come here, Hudson. You're not in trouble. Come here. Come here, Jackson. Stand up here. How old are you now? Nine. Nine. How old are you? Thirteen. So here's the point. Jackson Hudson is this size right here. I, I, in reality, there's no fear in this boy. There is none. He's like a little Tasmanian devil when he gets loose. But this one here, Okay. This one here has, he's more, and I'm not saying this in a, in a bad way, but he's more mature than this one. And as his maturing, he walks in a little bit more of authoritative position. He takes on more responsibility, or should. And that's the idea that what God is saying is, is as you mature, as you grow, you become bigger and stronger. Maybe not physically like him, but spiritually you become bigger and stronger and you have more authority in the things that you say and the things you declare and the new things that come against you. Now you're not speaking out of immaturity or inexperience. Now you're speaking out of maturity and authority and you're resting with pure confidence that if God brought me through that, he'll bring me through this. And now when I speak, listen, listen, listen to what they said to Jesus. The Pharisees, the experts couldn't do what he did because they knew the law, but they hadn't matured in it. They hadn't matured in the things that they should have been learning from. And when Jesus came on the scene, and he didn't scream at demons. He didn't yell at them like we, like we do. Because we think that the louder we scream, that devil gets afraid. No, he just like, I'll just stay in here and let you scream your head off till you get wore out. Yeah. And I've done that. It says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees looked at Jesus and he was casting out devils, raising the dead, healing the sick. And yet he spoke as one with authority. Whew. I don't know about you. Look at somebody and say, I want to walk in that place. I want to get to that place where I can sit down in pure confidence and be fully assured that God is at work in my life. And I may not see the results of it right now, but I know that he's working in there. And it may seem like five loaves and two fishes right here right now, but I'm going to sit down here because when this is all over done and said, they're going to take up 12 baskets of, the, oh, hallelujah, of the stuff that came out of that battle I went through. And when I walk out of here, I'm not going to have to scream and holler. 
I'm going to talk to this devil and tell him to get off my property. I'm going to tell this devil, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out. I wish somebody said, go ahead and preach to us today. How many of you have fought that? Thanks, boys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. How many of you have gone through positions and places in your life and you speak and you scream and you holler, but it doesn't move anything? Could it be that we have not sat in his presence? And when I say sat, I don't mean throw a wave the white flag of surrender. I mean literally sat there and embrace his presence and teaching and tutelage in our life to the place that we get to the position of authority. Jesus never had to scream at sickness. He talked to it. And they knew that he had the authority. Hello, somebody. Because of all of happened on that day, he took that position in the, and when he was set, Matthew chapter 5, and when he was set, Cata Santos, he was the new sheriff in town. Hallelujah. How many knows there needs to be a new level of authority in our lives? How do I get there? By resting assured of what he has done in you and through you and will continue to do by you. Does that make sense to anybody? Then I want you to stand to your feet, lift your hands and say, Lord, I want to get a grasp on this understanding of the mystery of God, Christ in me, the hope of glory, working in me and through me, working by my hands, my voice, my ability to, Lord, to be confident, to take up that rest, that R-E-S-T, that rest, so that when I understand that as I walk in this place, as I reside here, and understand and know, and I'm confident in what I'm going through, that you're going to bring me through it, no matter what it is, no matter what I'm struggling with, come on. If I were to take a survey, everybody in here is struggling with something. You may not tell nobody. It's okay. A lot of stuff you don't need to tell everybody. You don't need to tell everybody your business. I'm very careful what I express. There's stuff I won't even tell my kids. I won't. Phyllis and I, I mean, everybody, every, everybody in this building fights with their own devils but as we fight these devils these levels these things we've got to grasp a hold of and have an understanding that he's got me he, he's got me and I've got him he, he's got my back and I'm not throwing in the towel I don't care what any wild haired preacher says I'm not throwing in the towel I'm not quitting I'm not asking anybody to quit because they said a bad word Come on, I had a bad thought. Oh, they, they want me to go on. You know what they're saying. I hear you. Don't, don't talk. Don't say them to me. Have you ever had bad thoughts? Oh yeah. Huh? Oh yeah. Well, say it in your mind. Come in. Oh yeah. <laughs> You ever want to kill anybody? Yes. <laughs> I, and I believe you could. 
Do I even dare? Do I even dare? She said, if you won't cross that bridge. Mm, that says it all. I don't, I don't even have to go any further with you. And you're glad, aren't you? What about you? What, what, what about you? So innocent. So. Well now. Well now. I didn't get mad. It was that moment, you know, that ideal is that everybody fights something. And the devil wants you to quit, throw in the towel, give up, stop. Hello. Feel condemned over it. God doesn't want you to feel that way. And it may look like that all you're getting out of this is five loaves, two fish, but I'm telling you something. There's going to be a great remainder. And there's going to be a great progression in your life if you don't throw in the towel. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Don't quit. We can do this. Because the mystery of God is in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory, lives inside of me. And if he died before me, before I got here, he knew that this was worth fighting for. He knew this was worth going to the cross for. He didn't just die for me. He died as me. And as I realize what he's done for me, I want to come to that complete assurance that if he did all that for me and I wasn't even born yet, praise God, guess how much he's going to fight for me after I'm already here and said, Lord, you be Lord of my life. Please take over my life. Come on. Come on, somebody. As they get ready to sing, I want you to take some of the hand and lift it up high. I want you to lift it up high. And I said, you, and look at him and say, if I can't help you, I don't want to hurt you. But I want to speak life into you today. I want to give you the five loaves and two fishes that will encourage you, that will lift you up, that will bring you out of the, the dilemma that you're in, the pit that you're in, the hole that you're in, the mindset that you're in. I want to encourage you that you can do all things through Christ. It might take some time and some effort, but don't throw in the towel. Don't quit here and now. God is on your side. He loves you. He cares about you. He brought you this far. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. Little steps, little steps, baby steps. But keep going in God. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He cares about you. Ready? Sing. Start singing. He loves you. He cares about you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you're done praying with that person, grab somebody else and say, I want to help you out. I'm loving you. I'm praying for you. I'm lifting you
is for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Seen kiss, 